How's it going, travelers? Welcome to Fantastical Faith, the podcast where I get a bunch of geeks together and try and find the little nuggets of truth within the realm of fiction. As always, I'm your host, Mike Atassi. This is going to be a fun web to spin. Our favorite Marvel hero is the topic today. What can we learn from Peter Parker, the timid teenager, and his heroic alter ego, the spectacular Spider-Man? Of course, spoilers ahead. I'm joined today uh, via via satellite. Well, not satellite, but via phone call. Uh, my good friend Caleb Watley. How's it going, man? It's going good, man. It's going good. So, uh, just mind like introducing yourself. Yeah. Um, as he said, I'm Caleb Watley. I um, <clears throat> had a pretty fruitful life regarding Christianity. Um, I rededicated my life in 2021. And since then, I have been really on fire for the Lord. I'm currently at a college in Georgia studying discipleship and um, worship practicums. That's where the Lord has me at currently. Nice, nice. I always have two questions that I ask my host somebody on this podcast. Uh, the first question is, what draws you to fiction or fantasy as a genre? I think it's kind of just a nice escape because it's something that we can't do. And so being able to, to read about it, watch it is it's always fun for me because, you know, obviously reading like history or reading English or something like that. These are things that have happened, things that I can do myself. But reading fiction has always been what I've gone to. It's nice. It's a nice escape for me. The second question I want to ask is what has been the most influential piece of media in your life and why? Hmm. There's been a lot of things that have been pretty influential in my life. I feel like Narnia is a pretty good one as well. Um, growing up with that. First Narnia movie actually scared me growing up. First time I watched it, uh, the scene with Mr. Tumnus and his house playing the flute, that scared the mess out of me. But That's actually, yeah, that's actually 100% fair. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah. it's, I like that scene though, because of how like peaceful, it's like eerily peaceful how the flute sounds. And yeah, looking looking back now, I watched it like um, four or five months ago. I was like, "Oh yeah, this is good." I need to rewatch those movies. I, heck, I need to read all the books. I haven't read all of the books, and I feel like I feel like I'm doing a disservice to uh, C.S. Lewis by not reading the Mr. books. Yeah, Mr. Lewis. Yeah, um, I definitely feel like um, Narnia was a good, pretty big impact for me. That was one of the things my parents actually let me watch as a kid growing up because they were very hesitant about, you know, like witchcraft and wizardry things like Harry Potter. But Narnia was always a, a good example of, you know, Jesus' story because C.S. Lewis was a Christian and he kind of based off the Narnia movies about his life and story. So those, that was a pretty big influence on my understanding of Jesus and everything that happened because it was, once again, based off of like a fantasy genre-esque thing. And so being able to see it from that kind of perspective helped me a lot. No, that's good. So we'll, we'll just go ahead and dive on into our subject of today, which is Spider-Man. Now, um, <laughs> Spider-Man has always been, uh, and I think always will be, my favorite superhero. Um, I think he was really what got me into... Well, him and Ben 10, but that's a topic oh, for another time. <laughs> um, he and uh, Spider-Man definitely was was probably one of my first favorite superheroes that I ever just got exposed to because my brother had one of those old plug it two of those old plug and play video games. You know, you plug into like the AV cables to 
all the kids. I'm just I'm kind of dating myself right now. I'm only 21, but uh, um, I understand. <laughs> I see it. <laughs> but like you know, you plug in the AV cables, and then you play all these little mini games or whatever. And that was also the about the time when uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies were coming out. So getting to watch those growing up. Yeah, that was the first of Spider-Man that was exposed to me. Other than a GameCube game, I used to play it on. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what, what's been your what's been your like whole experience with Spider-Man? Like when when was your first interaction with the character, or do you even remember that? Uh, first interaction was the um, Sam Raimi movies. It was the one with Doc Ock. That was kind of my first recollection of Spider-Man. And seeing that character for the first time, like actually in action, like I said, uh, I had four game cubes growing up, me and my family. I don't know why, but we did. And there was a, <laughs> there's a Spider-Man game on there. That was like a lot of my childhood was playing that. There's a lot of memorable lines in there that me and my brother still quote to this day. That was, I think my first exposure to Spider-Man, those two things. And honestly, I'm kind of right there with you. I just... I love that character. I love that he's, you know, he's he's still a teenager, still learning things, growing up. You talked about the um the GameCube game. Was it the one that the meme came from, where Spider-Man's in like the burning building, with this, and there's like a woman there's like a woman captured, and like roped to tied to some kind of generator, I guess. But then if you fail to save her, Spider-Man just flops into the fire, <laughs> and she goes, "I'm going to die," and then the building blows up. <laughs> I think so because that was that was a um, part of the game with Vulture in it. Okay, that was another one that scared me. But um, yeah, that game, that game was great. All the thugs' lines like circus in town talking about. Yes, yes. Oh, Oh, I forgot about that game. Oh my word. Okay, yeah, I think that is the same game. Yeah, just Spider Man as a character though is just such a cool concept. I think Stanley did a good job with that one. He really did. What what do you think? Do you think he? I mean, I know he probably had a goal in mind while he was creating this character, and I mean, I've heard, I've seen a couple interviews as well. But like, do you think he had an overall overall goal in creating the character, or was it just making another character for Marvel just so they could, you know, have comic books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like Spider Man's a bit more of like a a relatable superhero almost. Just because you think of like Thor or Captain America, obviously Captain America is very like patriotic, but I feel like he's he's very standout. Spider-Man as a whole was is a very good experience. I feel like if he had a plan for him, it was for um because you know the the famous line with great power comes great responsibility. I feel like that was a good setup for children of life almost i feel like there was a deeper level with creating spider-man than there was the other ones obviously he put a lot of time in with the other ones but to me i would like to think that he put more into Mm spider-man i think you can definitely see how much work he did actually put into spider-man versus everybody else especially because of how influential spider-man has become and because you know we've got all these different different media doing stuff with spider-man like i mean we're still waiting on um beyond the spider-verse yeah. Which I'm incredibly hyped for. Oh, man, I'm so excited. I think that's a good testament to it because, you know, you don't see any Iron Man games, any Thor games or anything like that. It's always, they always keep with Spider-Man. Yeah, that's actually true. I haven't, yeah, yeah that's actually a good point. Because there was that Avengers game that came out a while ago. Um, 
but it didn't really gain traction until they announced a Spider-Man DLC. I mean, the game had traction, but I feel like the traction definitely picked up when they were like, oh yeah, we're going to put Spider-Man in this game. It was also funny just to see that coming off of, because I think that was the same year or after the year that the original PS4 Spider-Man game came out. So it was funny just mechanically to see how different it was from PS4 Spider-Man. Interesting that they didn't have him in there to begin with. I mean, unless it was just like the original Avengers cast. Yeah, I think it was. I never played I never played that Avengers game. I just saw a couple clips and read a couple reviews, but I vaguely remember that game. I guess it wasn't important enough to me to remember it. So um earlier you mentioned something about uh with great power comes great responsibility. Obviously that's one of the most iconic lines in all of media probably. I feel like there's not a lot of people who wouldn't know with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, even if they didn't know what it came from, they still through somebody else know. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah, they still at least know in general where the like the quote itself. How can we relate that as believers back to our Christian life? Because I think there's a lot of different ways we could. Um. So what? Do, what do you? But I want to know what you think. Well, I mean, Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, he gave us the power of the Holy Spirit. It's really interesting. The Holy Spirit has has been um really at work in my life recently and at my church. And I feel like um, I was talking today about how people can take advantage of the Holy Spirit in a way and kind of use it to glorify themselves. And, you know, like the Holy Spirit's using me, but see what I'm doing with it. And that kind of thing, the great power that Jesus left us, which I think goes along with the great commission takes a lot of, um, self-control and a lot of responsibility to get this done it's like a full dedication not just a lukewarm experience because we're talking about our lives and in the lives of other people as well i th- I, could, I think we could also talk about responsibility as almost a stewardship yeah um i think i feel like in our case those two words would be interchangeable like spider-man we've been given many gifts for you i know you play guitar and you know, do worship stuff and are leading in that. And that's really awesome. Uh, but like everybody has like so many different get gifts that God has given to them. And we're all in the process. It's a lifelong process of figuring those things out. But, and like, we're not going to be perfect. And I think that's why we can relate to these char- this character so much is because he's not perfect. He's never been perfect. And despite how many mistakes he's made, he's still been able to be like, no, this is what I have to do because I have the power to do it. As Christians, we should start, we should take that to heart, I guess, and be more of like, a, hey, I have this Holy Spirit power. I have the gifts given to me by God. How do I marry these two things and further the kingdom? Because, I mean, that's the Great Commission. Go forth, make disciples. Yeah. It's like... Uh... Something, I don't remember which movie it was in. I think it was in the last Into the Spider-Verse movie where it's like, that's just who Spider-Man is. It's like, no matter how many times we get knocked down, we have to get back up and keep going. I think that's a good example of um, the Christian walk and the Christian lifestyle. It's like, we're going to go through battles. We're going to go through seasons and like, you know, valleys, but we have to keep persevering through because that causes endurance. And that's, that's life, but we have to keep going because we know the end goal. It's a, it's a canon event. (laughs) (laughs) 
I did actually want to get into talking about those as well. Um, so in the in that movie, they talk about uh, canon events, which is basically so across the multiverse there are Spider Men just everywhere, and every and every multiverse, every universe has a Spider Man. Each Spider Man is connected by what's called a canon event, and canon events are parts of each Spider Man story that is the same for every Spider Man. So, for example, you have um, a Spider-Man that ha- a Spider-Man that gets bitten by a radioactive spider. That's a canon event that creates the Spider-Man in that universe, and then their story continues on from there. There's a big theme in that movie about them on keeping the canon events intact; otherwise, the entire multiverse collapses or whatever. But keeping the canon intact also requires letting certain people die so that the multi- so that the greater good can also be kept intact. I I personally don't buy into the idea of it because in concept, yes, like that that makes total sense. Um, but also just the way that uh, Miguel O'Hara was going about all that. Uh, who is Miguel O'Hara? He's the Spider-Man of uh, the future in the year twenty ninety nine, I believe. Yeah, twenty ninety nine. And he he his whole deal in the in this movie is that he is chasing anomalies across the multiverse and trying to capture them so that they don't interrupt canon events and destroy the multiverse. But by the end of it, you realize, oh, this is kind of whack because, yeah. yes, they, the, the anomalies don't belong in the universes they're in. But also, as Spider-Man, you're supposed to save everybody. Like, you, Well, you're not supposed to save everybody. You're supposed to at least try. What, what, do, you, what do you think? Yeah, I think the way Miguel went about it was very... Um... In the movie, he tried to live a life that was what not uh, like a not a Spider-Man life. He found a, a universe where he had a family, and he tried to disrupt the canon events so that he could have his own happy story life. But it ended up ruining a lot and actually destroying the universe. Which I think I did hear a theory somewhere that like when you interfere with a canon event outside of your own universe, that's when things get bad. So that could be the excuse for Miles interrupting his own canon event, or what Miguel would view as interrupting interrupting a canon event, because yeah. you know he's trying to save his dad. But if he does that, then the multiverse collapses, or something like that. Yeah, which is another canon event, like the Uncle Ben's or the dads. Which, yeah, I agree, is like a good. It's a good character motivator, I will say, from a story standpoint. Um, like uh, killing somebody off to actually have them then motivated to do something else. I, I can't remember what that trope is called, but it's it's a great character motivator. And, I mean, Spider-Man does it all the time with so many different things. I mean, it starts with Uncle Ben, and then the police captain, which, granted, I don't even know if that's le- legit. Because not every not every Spider Man has the same canon events, I will say. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's definitely a lot of them that have the same one, but there's also a lot that don't. So I guess there's a couple different canon events that need to happen in different Spider Man multiverses. Yeah, I guess I don't really know. I haven't read a lot of Spider Man comics, and I haven't gone delved into the Spider Verse comics either. But I read a I read a little bit of stuff on them uh, before we recorded this, and. There was some cool stuff, but as far as, like, not even Penny Parker. I don't even think she has a police captain in her stories. Cause, well, because her father was killed, 
which I guess was her initial canon event. I guess her what could be considered her canon event was her best friend and her aunt got absorbed into like this Evangelion venom thing. Um, I don't know. I haven't read any of. I haven't again. I have never read any of Penny Parker's comics, but I know a little. I just know some some bits and pieces. So, I also I feel like we could definitely launch into a <laughs> a conversation about. Uh, free will and predestination from talking about canon events, Uh-oh. but quite frankly, I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to do that. Um, <laughs> that's a bit of a. It's a bit of a discussion right there. That's one of the. Yeah, that's one of those things that I know if we get on it, we're gonna be here for another like hour and a half. Oh, that's <laughs> true. I know free will, free will versus predestination. Yeah, predestination is a word that uh, sparks a lot of interest. It really does, and. Yeah, I don't know. We, I mean, we still we could if you wanted to, but I. That's up to you, man. I don't know. How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> eh, let's not. I feel like this could just go crazy, and we'll get super sidetracked and get off topic. But that's all right. This is just a random side question. Who do you think your favorite Spider-Man variant is? I will say I have always loved Spider-Man 2099. There's a Xbox 360 game that I played. I don't remember what it was called. But you played as him. Super, super fun game. Ever since I played that, it was it was a lot of fun. Was it Shattered Dimensions um, or Edge yeah, of Time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Edge of Time, that's what it was. Since, I mean, you know, if you had asked me a couple of years ago, I would have probably said 99. But um, since seeing all of these different variations, all these different people, you know, like Andrew Garfield, Toby Maguire, Tom Holland, and then onto Miles Morales and all these other people, picking my favorite... Um, Honestly, going into watching the first uh, Spider-Verse movie, I had zero expectations. Didn't even know that uh, Miles Morales was a Spider-Man character. And I think after watching that, he probably became my favorite. I might have to... Gosh, I'm going to have to keep... I I might re-watch the first uh, Spider-Verse and then the second one as well, just to kind of get a glimpse over everything again. Um, I loved Andrew Garfield's movies, I know. People, a lot of people have mixed feelings about that one. I thought they were pretty good. I think my favorite variation of Spider-Man may be Miles Morales. Yeah, I agree. I think the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies, well, first off, I think they deserve a third. I went back and watched them both. They're not bad movies. Some plot choices and some of the acting is a little little wonky, but especially the second one, like visually, that movie looks really good. Oh my gosh, seriously. It is a, it is a gorgeous looking movie. I love the scene when they're in Times Square and you could see like the electricity going. Yes. Oh my gosh. I wish they would like keep that same visual effects with Tom Holland. I always say Andrew Garfield's the best Spider-Man. Tobey Maguire is the best Peter Parker and Tom Holland is a good mix of the two. Yep. I agree with that. I think, yeah, I feel like Tom Holland though. I don't know. He's a little pretty boy. He is. He is. (laughs) And Anthony Mackie is not without his, uh, not without his points about saying how Tom is a little bit of a pretty boy. But, like, I, I can get behind him as Spider-Man and as Peter Parker. I think the, the thing about Andrew Garfield that I hear a lot of people say is that he was very... He's, he was kind of too cool to play Peter Parker. Um, which, yeah, I can, I can see that. I think... I feel like Toby also just took himself a little too seriously to play Spider-Man. Play Spider... Yeah, that's true. 
I do love about Tom Holland. He definitely looks like a teenager. He has that high school uh, vibe about him. So I think that's what makes him a pretty good Peter Parker as well. Yeah, that definitely helps. What do you think Spider-Man can teach us about perseverance? Well, as I, as I said earlier, Spider-Man has always been the, no matter how many times you get knocked down, get right back up again, keep fighting, keep going. I think his motivation is, um, he's, he's just very persistent. His perseverance is on like a whole nother level. I think it's a, it's a pretty prime example of how we're supposed to be as Christians. Every time we get through, um, get through a bad season, it's, it's easy for us to just fall back into to being lazier into, you know, things of this world, like our comfort zone, falling into things like that. But persevering through those moments is very important because it causes it, like it builds character and it helps you to, it helps you to lean on God more. I definitely think his perseverance is a good relation to how a believer's perseverance should be. Let's, you know, let's go back to, uh, Canon events and free will and predestination, because I actually feel like this could be interesting to talk about. I'm going to reserve the right to keep it keep it short, though, because I don't want to go too long into it. Because, quite frankly, I can see the argument for both, theologically. Um, and I don't really prescribe to one or the other. I do believe that God set out his plan in a span of time, and we are part of that plan. But we are, in some in some capacity able to determine where where our lives go. I think I think maybe you and I talked about this. I, f- I feel like I remember a conversation we were having where like God gives us the ability to choose him. Cuz if cuz if he cuz if we're not able to choose him, then that just and he's like, "Oh, you have to choose me." And like makes us choose him. Then that just makes us puppets. Makes us robots. We're exactly. like pre-programmed to do that. Yeah. There could be some heresy in there, but <laughs> I, I frankly, I frankly don't know. But I think that's a good way of looking at it: is the fact that we're actively able to choose God. I think that's what makes Christianity pretty set apart as well. Yeah, because a lot of because and also less exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, especially for how much how much God actually compensates for us. Because in a lot of other in a lot of other places, you have. You gotta work for your salvation. You gotta be, oh, you gotta do this, 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 and this, and then, oh, maybe I'll get into heaven. But no, God actively comes down, plucks us out of our crap. He shows us where we need he shows us where we need to go and we follow that. An acceptance. Not so much a you have to work for the next twenty years of your life and then maybe this God will have mercy on you. Cause honestly, if it was works based, we'd be screwed. <laughs> We are yeah, very, yeah. we are very, we are very sinful people. Um, exactly. Honestly, the, it's like the simplicity of Christianity is—it's refreshing. Like it's at two different points. It's simplistic, but then it's also very um, not demanding. Because if you're choosing to do this, this is you're choosing to spend the rest of your life, you know, with God and doing things what he asks you to do and you know the great commission following that because that that is our job but it's not a oh if you don't do the great commission you're not going to heaven kind of thing it's the simplicity of it is john three sixteen. you know for god so loved the world and sent his only son to die and everyone knows that one but it's just the um acknowledgement of i'm a sinner i've screwed up many times but i believe in jesus 
I believe that he died for me and I will choose to follow his will for me. And I feel like that's the simplistic aspect of it. It's simple enough that it can be understood by a child. Um, which I think is, in, which is interesting when you look at a story like this, because kids are so fascinated by, oh, there's this guy, he can shoot webs and crawl up walls. Like, it's cool. And then we overlook the fact that, oh, there is a guy who lived, who actually lived, died, and then rose again, all because he loved us that much, and because we were trapped in our own mess. I love that verse. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is such a loving statement right there. It really is. And themes of self-sacrifice. I think that's why we see that so... That's why we love themes of self-sacrifice, even in a secular sense. Because people still love these stories. Why? Because they point back to the ultimate good. So that's how I like to think about it. That wasn't also that also wasn't my idea. I had a friend tell me about that, and I was like, "Huh, that's a good way of thinking about it." Yeah, the the relation of self sacrifice is you know die to ourselves daily, bear our cross, versus um, the sacrifice of you know that Spider Man bears of not having, not choosing to get too close with people because people find out that you're close to Spider Man. That's going to be it's gonna be a real issue for you. Yep. So which is why, of... which is why the idea of a Spider Verse was so appealing to Miles, because you know he got very, he was very close to you know having having a society that understands him, because um, you nobody can under, truly understand you once you have that kind of power, um, unless they have the same kind of power you do, which, again, fellowship. Let's take it back to that. In the Spider Society, Miles was looking for fellowship with people who were like-minded. We as Christians need to look for fellowship with people who are like-minded. Because you find it's comforting to know that you have people on your side. Which I hope, I hope ends up being how this next movie ends. Um, because, <laughs> good gravy. Um, I'm... I'm excited dude <laughs> dude who even knows who even knows when it's gonna come out though because you know, there's like the writer strike April and everything i feel i heard that too but then i keep hearing other stuff about you know it's delayed because of the writer strike they haven't started a lot of work on it which i'd be surprised if they didn't start any work on it because it's a two-part story they had to have had some stuff written before yeah no that's what i'm thinking and then been like all right let's start since we just released it so there has to at least be some stuff done. Yeah, they may not have like a bunch of animation and stuff done. I don't know. At least a story. At least a story written out or some kind of script. I don't know. That remains to be seen. Plus, the the strikes are kind of dying down a little bit. My entertainment is not worth somebody's livelihood. Um, I have other way. I have other ways to entertain myself. Believe believe it or not, besides movies. Um, there are these crazy things called books that we had to read back in my day. Uh, before we had all this MCU and DCU and all that. Reading reading Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Oh, dude, take me back. <laughs> Jeez. Freaking, um, did, you ever read, did you ever read Henry and Mudge? 
no, but that sounds really familiar. Oh, dude, it was a classic. It was the it was this book. It was this book series, children's book series about this kid and his dog. Um, I can't remember what kind of dog he was, but he was a really big dog. Um, and it was a sounds like Clifford. It's it's it it was kind of like Clifford, but it wasn't. Hang on, let me see if I can find it. Did you ever read Calvin and Hobbes? Yes, I read Calvin and Hobbes. I still read Calvin oh. and Hobbes to this day. Oh, those are good. It's so good. My kids are gonna my kids are gonna read Calvin and Hobbes. I'm gonna make them. You will understand. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, Mudge was an English mastiff. Yeah, Henry learns many lessons usually with the help of the 182 pound Mudge. Holy crap! About life, loyalty, and love. Yeah, no, that was a really wholesome book story, like book book series. Cheesh, uh, there was a lot of them too. There were like 30 almost. You know, something I find really interesting is the idea of the idea of fellowship and how it's in so many movies, so many book series that like this all related back to Jesus. This is his fellowship with the disciples and with the people. That's that is where like the importance of it started. And that's the mindset. And it's just it's just so interesting how all of these secular movies and all of these you know very bad movies still have the aspect of fellowship in it i I feel like all art eventually points can you there's something you can get from art that points back to that points you back to god because god is the ultimate artist he designed us creatively made us creative beings and it's hard to deny that when you look at when you really read into it and when you look at it through that lens of God created us that way. Um, and then we put it in our own stories that we tell that may or may not be related to God or whatever, or faith at all. Yeah, people make these movies and it's like, there's that aspect they put in it and they probably don't even realize what it's coming from. They just know that it's a thing that's important. And it's easy for movies, especially in Hollywood nowadays, to make light of things that are that should not be made light, that should not be taken lightly. Which is why I wasn't a big fan of, which is also why I wasn't a huge fan of the new, the latest Thor movie. Um, oh, yeah, no. It was just, not only was it just kind of bad, um, but there was a lot of just religious commentary that made me uncomfortable. Um, yeah, it was definitely. I think it was voted one of the worst Marvel movies. I can see why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, there were cool, there were cool ideas, and of course, you know, it's mythology and all that. I love mythology, but even in mythology, you get, you just get everything is so messed up. <laughs> yeah, like it is bad. Like every, everyone, <laughs> every hero is like, hey, eventually falls prey to their own whatever because they're just yeah. that messed up and then there's like some prophecy made about them or something and they're like oh yeah you're gonna die because of this thing that you did and they're like i'm <laughs> not gonna die i'm blessed by the gods and then they die anyway <laughs> like hmm, i'm seeing a reoccurring theme here yeah so even so even people back then who believed in these pagan beliefs realized that there is some there's something wrong with the world like people are inherently not good. I mean, you could. There's an argument to be made there, but like we have a sin nature. I mean, that's just what we were born into. 
that is why we need Christ. That's why we need the blood. Yeah, we kind of got off on a tangent there, but that's okay. That's what this podcast is all about. We go off on tangents about either theology or fiction. <laughs> I mean, if it all returns back, then, you know, it's worth it. Hey, that, that's, that's all it is. I do love going into deep, deep conversations. Theology, you know, over the summer, deep theological discussions. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was like 11 a.m. after a bunch of after chasing a bunch of screaming children around an island all day. That sounds weird out of context. Um, <laughs> for, <laughs> for, a little bit, for a little bit of context, uh, last summer, me and Caleb, we worked at a summer camp together. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Um, it was very trying for both our physical well-being and our spiritual well-being. Um, and mental. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, that too. Um, I feel like that falls under the category of physical <laughs> well-being. No, it was a lot of fun. Those yeah. Conversations is what made me stable for a while. <laughs> there were, yeah, there was a lot of good stuff in that to ha- conversation to be had. All right, well, I think that's about all I got. Um, I'm going to wrap the episode. Do you have anything else you want to add? Anything you want to plug? Or <laughs> I want to plug? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, I think everything was summed up in a pretty good way. All right. Well, in that case, thanks for listening, travelers. Hope you got something out of it. Take an example from Spider-Man and look out for the little guy next time you go out. And as always, stay curious and stay fantastical.